bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, January 12th, 2016. Last week, Thursday and Friday to be exact, I was in Miami attending our Novogratik Low Income Housing Tax Credit Developers Conference. And joining us on Thursday morning to provide a keynote was Senator Mike Crapo. Senator Crapo serves on the Senate Finance Committee, that's the Tax Writing Committee in the Senate, as well as the House Banking Committee, which has oversight over the HUD budget, as well as Fannie and Freddie Mac. I'd like to thank Senator Crapo for all the insights he shared with the audience during his Thursday morning keynote. After our conference ended in Miami, I headed up to Columbia, South Carolina, to attend the Kemp Forum on Expanding Opportunity. Jack Kemp was a former NFL, CFL, and AFL quarterback, congressman, secretary of HUD, and vice presidential candidate, and he helped create and endorsed the Low Income Housing Tax Credit Program. Discussions at the forum, which was held on Saturday, included topics such as fighting poverty and expanding opportunity in the United States. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan and Senator Tim Scott acted as the moderators. Six presidential candidates participated. Governor Jeb Bush, Dr. Penn Carson, Governor Chris Christie, Governor Mike Huckabee, Governor John Kasich, and Senator Marco Rubio. The Kemp Foundation is a 501c3 organization committed to advancing the universal values of the American idea of growth, freedom, democracy, and hope. Each of its programs is intended to foster the spirit of leadership that Jack Kemp demonstrated, expand the impact of powerful ideas on public policy, and prepare a new generation of leaders who can translate principal ideas into action. At the Kemp Foundation Forum on Expanding Opportunity, Republican presidential hopefuls were able to share their ideas as to how to help those living in poverty. Much of the attention of the forum was focused on the disincentives to work contained in many existing programs, as well as the role education can serve in lifting families out of poverty. I can't help but note here that the low housing tax credit does not penalize those living in affordable housing if they increase their earned income. Now, during his discussion panel, Senator Marco Rubio listed substandard housing as one of six strikes often faced by those in poverty. And South Carolina's senior senator and former presidential candidate, Lindsey Graham, saved the most flattering observation of the day for his fellow South Carolina U.S. senator when he said, Tim Scott is the new Jack Kemp for the Republican Party. And now for our This Week in History feature. This week, 50 years ago, President Lyndon Johnson appointed the first secretary of HUD, Robert C. Weaver. The appointment made Weaver the first African-American cabinet member, and as HUD secretary, Weaver worked to expand affordable housing programs and advocate for the passage of the Fair Housing Act. Weaver served as the head of HUD until December 1968. Moving on to this week's podcast, we'll start off with a general news section where I'll talk about a list of tax provisions on which the IRS will not issue private letter rulings or determination letters this year. 
In our local housing tax credit section, I'll discuss when we can expect HUD to release its 2016 income limits for tenants in low-income housing tax credit properties, as well as what the delayed release date could mean for your properties. In New Markets Tax Credit news, I'll share information about the CDFI Fund Bond Guarantee Program and how much guarantee authority has been authorized for 2016. Then, in our Historic Tax Credit section, I'll discuss efforts to create countywide Historic Tax Credit Program in Maryland. And we'll close out with Renewable Energy Tax Credit news. We'll talk about how you can comment on guidance regarding the election of the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credits in lieu of production tax credits. Then, in our Restored Tax Credit section, I'll discuss the efforts of another county in Maryland to create a county-wide historic tax credit program. And we'll close out with Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, where I'll talk about how you can comment on guidance regarding the election to claim investment tax credits in lieu of production tax credits with respect to certain qualifying renewable energy property. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news... The IRS last week issued its annual list of tax provisions under which it would not issue letter rulings or determinations. As you know, the IRS sometimes answers particular questions from individual taxpayers on their taxes and transactions. In other cases, the IRS decides it will not issue rulings or determination letters. The reason could be the factual nature of the problems or for other reasons. Several issues on this year's no-rule list that will interest listeners are the same as issues that were on last year's no-rule list. First of all, the IRS will not issue a letter ruling on whether, under the long housing tax credit, a casualty loss has been restored by reconstruction or replacement within a reasonable period of time. The IRS said it may, though, issue a determination letter in this case, but not a letter ruling. So what's the difference between a private letter ruling and a determination letter? Well, a private letter ruling is issued by the National Office of the IRS that only applies to a specific taxpayer, and it's generally requested when there's some doubt about the interpretation of a particular provision of tax law. Conversely, determination letters are issued by directors within the IRS only if the question presented is specifically answered by a statute, tax treaty, or regulations or a conclusion stated in a revenue ruling, or there's an opinion or court decision that represents the position of the service that's clear, such that the district director is able to determine the answer to a particular set of facts. Second, in terms of the historic rehabilitation tax credit and the renewable energy production tax credit, the IRS has said it will not issue rulings or determination letters on the allocation of the tax credit by a partnership on the validity of the partnership, or on whether any taxpayer is a valid partner in the partnership. The IRS likewise will not rule on the application of the beginning of construction requirement under the Renewable Energy Production and Investment Tax Credits. Now you can find more information within Revenue Procedure 2016-3. A copy is available on our IRS guidance page at www.taxcredithousing.com. I'll begin this week's low-income housing tax credit section by addressing a question that my partners and I have been asked a lot lately. The question is, when can we expect HUD to release 2016 income limits for tenants in low-income housing tax credit properties? Some people have been worried that they might have missed the income limit release this year because the data is usually released in December. Actually, 
HUD will likely not release 2016 income limits until late February or March. The timing is because the definition of extremely low income changed on the 2014 Consolidated Appropriations Act. The new definition requires HUD to include Department of Health and Human Services poverty guidelines into extremely low income limits, which, which is defined as 30% of the area median income. These guidelines from the Department of Health and Human Services are usually released in late January. HUD will then need to incorporate those Health and Human Services data into its income limit calculations. So as I said, income limits will likely not be released until late February or March. And at least for now, we can expect that February to March timeframe will apply in future years. How the delay affects your properties will depend on whether your properties are already placed in service and whether the income limits increase or decrease. If you have an in-service development and income limits go down, you're held harmless at the prior year amount. But if income limits increase, then it would have benefited more from a December release because you could have increased your rents a bit earlier. If you have properties that are about to be placed in service and income limits go down, then a later release gives you a better chance of placing in service and being held harmless at the old limits. But then again, if your property is not in service yet and income limits go up, then the delay will not really affect you. Now I should note that the Healthy Human Services data only affects the extremely low income limit and not tax credits. But HUD said it would continue to release the Section 8 and Long-Term Tax Credit income limits at the same time. And on that note, I'm happy to announce that the Novogradic Enhanced Rent and Income Limit Calculator will soon be available. Our enhanced tool will let you save property-specific data into the calculator. That means you save time and money because you don't need to re-enter information each year. You can also access income limits from prior years and save historical utility allowance data. To request a free two-week trial of this enhanced rent and income limit calculator, contact my partner, Thomas Stagg. Both our new enhanced calculator and our free rent and income calculator will be updated with this year's data and be ready to use about a week or so after HUD releases the 2016 figures. I'll tweet a link to the calculators once they're updated. And if you do have additional questions about calculating rents on your long and tax credit property, and of all the aspects of the long and tax credit program, I can't think of a more technically complicated area than determining tenant rents, please contact my partner, Thomas Stagg, in our Seattle, Washington office. In community development news, the CDFI Fund opened the 2016 application period for its bond guarantee program last week. A notice of guarantee authority published in the Federal Register made up to $750 million in bond guarantee authority available. The bond program allows selected certified CDFIs or their designees to issue bonds that are guaranteed by the federal government. Those bond proceeds can be used to extend financing for long-term investments in community development. They include such things as supporting commercial facilities that promote revitalization, community stability, and job creation or retention, housing that is primarily affordable to low-income people, businesses that provide jobs for or are owned by low-income people, and community or economic development in low-income and underserved rural areas. The program has guaranteed $852 million in bonds since it was enacted back in 2010. For the coming year, 
the Treasury Department may guarantee bond issues of at least $100 million each, up to the $750 million total. The CDFI fund announcement highlighted the fact that multiple CDFIs may pull together on a single $100 million bond issuance, as long as each CDFI participates at a minimum of $10 million. If you're interested in participating in the program, here are some key dates to keep in mind. Qualified issuer applications are due March 4th, guarantee applications are due March 18th, and the last day the CDFI fund will accept questions regarding the application period is March 9th. Also, the CDFI fund will conduct a two-day application workshop for potential applicants. There's no fee, and it will be held in February, although a specific day hasn't yet been announced. For more information and to see the application forms, go to www.novoco.com and click on Hot Topics. Under the NMTC tab, the CDFI Bond Guarantee Program is one of your options. And if you have additional questions, please contact my partner, Diana Letzinger, in our Long Beach, California office. In historic tax credit news, a bill was introduced in Anne Arundel County, Maryland, to create a county-level historic tax credit. If the bill is adopted, Anne Arundel will join the state's other counties that already have historic tax incentives in place. They include Montgomery, Prince George's, Howard, Calvert, and Baltimore counties. By the way, the county seat of Anne Arundel is Annapolis. But interestingly, if this provision is enacted, the county tax credit would not apply to Annapolis because that city already has an historic tax credit of its own. Under the proposed program, qualifying residential and commercial properties would be eligible for tax credit equal to 25% of a development's qualified ex- expenditures. The credit's capped, though, at $50,000 per development, but it is fully transferable. To receive the credit, owners would need to allow the county to place an easement on the structure. This easement is meant to ensure that the property maintains its historic character. Among other qualifications, a building has to have at least 65, or be at least 65 years old and have a high level of historical significance. Properties listed on the National Register of Historic Places or properties eligible for the register would, like, would likewise qualify for the credit. The program would also provide a 5% credit to new construction properties in historic districts as long as they look compatible with the surrounding historic architecture. The bill was introduced by Councilman Chris Trumbauer, and his office expects that the bill will be voted on January 19th. Now, this ordinance would be effective 45 days after it becomes a law, and the credit would be claimed against real property taxes. To read the bill, go to www.historictaxcredits.com. In renewable energy tax credit news, the IRS last week invited comments on Notice 2009-52. Now, what is Notice 2009-52? Well, that's the notice that describes the procedures required to elect the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit in lieu of the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit. This election was created by the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. The 2009 guidance includes information about election procedures and documentation that's necessary. Now, no changes are being proposed at this time, but comments will be accepted until March 7th. To read the notice and learn how to submit a comment, go to www.energytaxcredits.com. If you have any additional questions about such an election, feel free to contact my partner, Stephen Tracy, here in our San Francisco office. And if there are specific comments you think should be submitted, 
send an email to cpas at novaco.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I invite you to join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. And before we close out for this week, I want to share that Novograd and Company released a special report. Last week it was released, and it's called the Novogradic Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Showcase. As we commemorate the 30th anniversary of the passage of the legislation that enacted the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit, we felt it was appropriate to highlight the impact of the credit over the decades. Among the most interesting parts of the 166-page report are articles that tell us about the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit from the perspective of residents, state housing officials, developers, investors, and syndicators. Those articles show how the tax credit is flexible and reliable. The Long Housing Tax Credit Showcase also includes information about how the tax credit works, a history of tax credit pricing, a timeline about the history of the Long Housing Tax Credit, a look at 30 years of statistics on the credit, and profiles of 71 properties of all types from across the nation. The Long Housing Tax Credit Showcase is free. It can be downloaded from our website. Simply go to www.novico.com and click on the Products tab. It's under Special Reports. Again, it's called the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Showcase. And I invite you to share that with your elected members of Congress and others, as well as tweet or share other thoughts you have about the report. That's it for now. This is Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratic and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.